The Money Show. Business Unusual with Colin Cullis. Business Unusual is brought to you by Workforce Staffing. Workforce Staffing providing employment solutions that support staff and profits alike. Colin Cullis, we're seeing this wonderful phenomenon of bees doing it, dogs doing it, machines even are doing it. And what they're doing is that they are sniffing COVID and doing it quite effectively. Yeah, I had a wonderful time nerding out on, on smell as a sense. Um, often I'm just completely bewildered and lost with the, with the sort of subjects I try and cover for this segment. But this one I've really had quite a lot of fun with. And as a starting point, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you do or don't take sugar in your coffee. No. But I'm pretty sure if I had to give you a coffee, so you don't take it. So if I had to give you a coffee that had sugar in it, you'd take one sip and you'd say, well, there's sugar in this. I don't want that. No, I'd say that's delicious. I, mean, I really miss sugar in my coffee. Thank you, Colin. But that's just me. Right. Now, now, given that you miss your sugar, I maybe could give you a liter of coffee and maybe you could still taste that there was some sugar in there. Uh, and this is where it got kind of the first sort of mind bending fact for me, because apparently dogs sense of smell. If we had to com- compare it to, you know, a taste test, then you could put a teaspoon of sugar into the equivalent of two Olympic sized swimming pools, five million liters of water. And they would be able to tell if it was present or not. <laughs> That's the degree to which their noses are sensitive. And uh, it's credit to uh, researchers that for a long time have known animals have this ability to smell things, uh, even though we still aren't exactly sure how we smell things. We definitely describe it. But every time we've thought, ah, this is the neural pathways, this is the method by which those neurons fire and, and we can tell what is causing us to know that is a pizza, for example, given that there is bits of cheese and bread and other bits that we know distinctively that's pizza. When they try and break down those actual smells, that becomes a lot more complicated. And we're still not sure how we do it, other than we do it remarkably well. But this particular researcher, a doctor, Claire Guest, has been uh, looking to use dogs' abilities uh, and wanted to specifically look for detecting uh, diseases that have been difficult to, to detect otherwise People don't uh, want to necessarily go for the tests or to make it easier to test. And one of them was prostate cancer, particularly nasty one for males, and diabetes. And they're able to do so just with a smell. Remarkably, most of the conditions that we're, we pick up do have some residual um, olfactory element that is either present in our sweat or in our breath or in our urine, uh, much in the same way, you know, we've always tested our blood for saying, ah, there'll be, there'll be tracer marks of a certain kind of chemical that indicates the presence of some other, you know, nasty uh, virus or bacteria or, or some condition happening. And in her case, she was uh, busy training these dogs, uh, as I say, prostate cancer for some uh, and diabetes for others, and starting to get some encouraging results, uh, given that we don't know what cancer smells like, remember? We're just trusting that the dog smells something that we know comes from somebody who does have it, and then trust that when they're exposed to it again, they recognize it and say, this, this has got it. But here's the remarkable story that was recently told on uh, Vox has got a, a podcast called Unexplainable. And they also did a, an episode about smelling. And uh, Noam Hassenfeld, who's the host of it, was speaking to Dr. Claire Guest and an incident she had with one of her dogs uh, a couple of years ago. Take a listen. One of my dogs, a beautiful dog who lived with me called Daisy, who's a fox red Labrador. She started to look upset. That was probably the best description, a bit upset by me. She was just kind of sitting there. Just staring at me and then nudging at me and staring at me and nudging at me. Claire felt the spot where Daisy was nudging and she could feel a lump. And I actually went on to be diagnosed with a very, very deep-seated early stage breast cancer. 
Thankfully, she recovered. Sure. But this was a dog that had made an association now between what they were testing and training them for and an affinity, I suppose, given that the proximity and the time she spent with it, to say, hey, there, there's something up. And I'm, I'm sure animal owners have, have sensed this thing about their animal's ability to detect things with them a lot. And specifically, uh, and this may be not so difficult for us to understand, is that dogs use that same sense, smell, to pick up on our emotions. So when we sometimes wonder, how did a dog know that a person was up to no good or whatever the case was? Well, we're exuding pheromones and all sorts of smells that for the most part, even we don't detect. But dogs get it and can, can read it a mile away. And they're absolutely amazing in that regard. Uh, but before we go more into the nerdy facts about uh, smelling, let's take a step back to say, what have you got currently for how we do testing, specifically with COVID? Uh, and the amazing test that we rely on almost uh, to the exclusion of all the other ones is this polymerase chain reaction, PCR testing, was developed in the 80s and is a very sophisticated chemical way of taking tiny trace elements uh, of the viral sort of DNA, RNA, that uh, can be replicated to the point, amplified to the point that it then becomes detectable using using a, a regular test. And, and this is the method that we use to say if, if somebody has the virus, then that particular RNA, which is the, the thing this time around that we were very good at doing, we, um, we were able to um, unlock the, the, the genome of the, of the SARS-CoV-2 virus pretty early on, which allowed for these tests to be started and to be used as extensively as they have. And South Africa has passed the 12 million mark now for the number of tests we've been carrying out since uh, the start of uh, last year or when we started doing the testing. And that's split between these PCR tests, which are very sophisticated ones, and then the, the quicker, cheaper antigen tests. And the thing with the test that you want to uh, determine is how accurate is the test. And there's three sort of factors. The first one is what percentage accuracy will it detect the presence of a positive sample? So if you have COVID, it will say you have COVID. The second one is simply the balance, the, the fact that you do have COVID and it doesn't detect it. But the worst one is the so-called positive uh, negative. When you do have COVID, uh, and it, sorry, when you don't have COVID and it detects that you do. And in this case, the, the challenge with the PCR test is that if you test it very soon after the exposure, the likelihood of it finding you positive is quite high. And then that degrades over time because there is so little of the virus actually available, it winds up amplifying all sorts of other things. And that sort of sends out a bit of a mixed signal. So it's a very reliable test for us. It's certainly the, the gold standard, as it were, but it takes time. It has to be done in a lab. It is expensive and it's not 100% accurate. Antigen tests, they're faster. They're a lot cheaper. They don't have to be done in a lab, but they're not as accurate, coming in at about 50%. So now we move back to the animals and what they can potentially do. And the incredible thing with some of the tests they've been doing, not necessarily just with COVID, but with these other diseases, is that dogs have had rates of up to 70% with COVID. So that's as good as our best testing with PCR. Uh, but some, because they've been doing it in quite a few countries, have got up to 90%. There was a, a German study that had dogs coming back with 90%. And they only take seconds to sniff what is either some sweat that's taken from you, put in a little cotton ball or a little urine sample. And they put in a little cup and the dog walks past it. And if it smells the presence of something, then it'll, it, it'll show it's been there. Uh, but there's animals that are equally good and, and a whole lot smaller. And, and these are mice. Uh, um, they've been doing tests with them and, and they're very encouraging too. In fact, rats are currently being used quite extensively specifically for detecting explosives. And recently there was a rat that had uh, cleared over 400 soccer fields worth of uh, minefields uh, that was given its retirement. They only live about eight years. This particular one had taken about five years to clear all those minefields uh, and was given its lovely retirement to go and snack on bananas or whatever these very large <laughs> sort of African rats uh, live on. 
Um, so that's that's the kind of mix that we've got. And the, uh, the idea then would be to say, train up these dogs, get them to the airports or large events, uh, and, and and let them have habit. And that would probably work because, you know, dogs are already used in, in airports for sniffing sure. out drugs. So we have a method for doing it. There, there isn't really a problem. The difference, though, is if somebody gets through with some drugs, only a couple of people may be affected by having that drug. But if somebody has, uh, you know, COVID gets through and is undetected, we could have a much bigger problem Correct. on our hands. And while dogs are accurate and dogs are very keen to please, um, you know, they can only do this for so long and they do get bored. <laughs> and, and you don't want to point a finger at the dog and blame a super spreader event because Fido, yeah. uh, you know, longed to go for a run in, in the field. I, I, I once had a dog that if you pointed your finger at him, he came at you. He was a lovely dog, but never point your finger at him. Don't ever point a finger at a Jack Russell. He'll take your hand off. I'm sorry, that was a diversion. I'm, I'm reminded of Barry Hilton's notion of the dog he had, which he called a watchdog. Uh, except whenever he was burgled, the dog would just, <laughs> just watch. <laughs> it would just watch. So the next set of animals that they're starting to get some very encouraging thing was are bees. Bees can be trained in minutes. Uh, and effectively, because bees have got this incredible sense of smell, they typically are on, on the hunt for, for pollen. Um, but if, 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 if exposed to a particular smell that we want to train them for and then reward them with sugar water, they, their tongues will come out, uh, you know, without us having to do anything, certainly without having to explain it to them, every time they're in the presence of that smell. And so effectively what you can do is you can have a person just walking down a line, blowing a little uh, breath test, and, and the bee's tongue, if it comes out, will say, hey, you've got, you got a positive. And because bees are so small, you can simply line up three or four of them. And if all four of their tongues go after somebody's given it a breath test, well, definitely send that person off to the section where he's going to go for a, a full-blown PCR test. And if nothing, then move them right on their way. Uh, so that will be a win. Get the bees everywhere. They will sort us out. The catch is bees only live for a couple of weeks. And while they're easy to train, uh, we will have to keep uh, breeding them and moving them around. And, you know, if they get out, this could be a bit of a problem. So that, too, is is a little problematic, which brings us to the third one, which is the machines. And the challenge with the machines is if only the dogs would tell us what that thing smelt like, then we could <laughs> tell the machine to look for that smell. Yeah. But we don't know what the dog is smelling and we don't know how to describe the smell to a machine. So it's hard to build the machines until you start with the AI option, which is simply to say, give me the things that the dogs or the mice or the PCR tests have, have said is positive and, and let that smell be sampled and let the entire sample go into the machine and then give it another set which does not have it. And let the machine work out by whatever crazy means you know, machine learning typically uses to say which ones have got something and which ones don't for you to be able to detect it. And then simply use a, a sensor that allows it to detect for all of those smells or chemicals that are present in that particular thing. And they've managed to build it. In fact, the guys who do the bees have built a sensor that replicates what the bees can smell to use a machine to do the same thing. And this is, this is going to be the real innovation because when you take the machine learning and the sensor is capable of doing it and they've managed to get the thing down from a, a very large box to something maybe just a, a small little briefcase size and they're still working on getting it smaller, then we really do have something. And, and some years ago, I spoke to you about uh, an innovation that was coming down the line, this wonderful future of ours where our bathrooms would have sophisticated smart toilets. The toilets would do urine tests and give us first indications if anything was wrong with us. That we would have something tested in the bathroom will probably remain, but it won't be testing our urine. You'll probably have a sensor now in the bathroom, or you would simply breathe on it or use it wherever it is, and you'd, uh, you'd get results of, of what your conditions are. And, and the way these guys are talking, they will condense this down and stick them straight into your phone. Having a phone conversation with somebody would also allow you to constantly be tested for a whole range of conditions. 
you know, before you get the flu and decide whether they're going to work, you just phone your boss and your boss can see from your phone, yes, Bruce actually has the flu and he's not trying to uh, pull a fast one. Can, so can, the, can, the, it, can it work for man flu, which is critical? Um, <laughs> not detectable by science, unfortunately. That is, that is one that will never be detected. So the, the future looking encouraging. Uh, it's wonderful to know that the answer to all of our problems may have been right under our nose. Ho, ho, ho. Colin Cullens, thank you very much indeed. Business Unusual on a Wednesday night.